Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Re- revamping my my messy desk here. I, I read somewhere that a messy desk is the sign of a brilliant mind. And so I believed it. If <laughs> if they'd said something else, I wouldn't have believed it. Oh, and I, we're going to talk about belief and how to be free and be free of not just for ourselves, but perhaps be the catalyst for a greater freedom. The theme for this month is uh, money mastery. Remembering that money is our servant and not our master. See, how many of you know that money has more control of you than you have control of it? We decide what we can have in our life based on our money instead of deciding what we want in our life and letting money show up to support it. I'll say it again. We decide what we will dream, what we will have in our life. We decide what we will have in our life based on our money instead of expecting money to show up to support our dreams. So we have it backwards. Money's the master instead of the servant. We let our moods be determined by our available cash or credit. How many of you have had a bad mood when you look looked at something. (laughs) How many of us confuse net worth for self-worth? And how many of us us deny wealth, which only means well-being, to prove that we're really holy and spiritual people and we're not in this for the money? Oh, well, you are holier than most ministers I work with. You are holier than most ministers. When I work with ministers, I'm amazed how they don't really want to pray for money because they don't want themselves to think that they're in it for the money. And I worked with spiritual people for 30-some, 40-some. It's been a long... Okay, I'm having a moment. It's really true. Almost 40 years. I've worked with spiritual people who want money but don't want to admit to themselves that they want the money because they want to prove that they love God. And they're just they're doing their spiritual practice just for God, which is true. That's the way I do my spiritual practice. Practice. I do it just to connect with God. I like the feeling. I like the feeling when I'm praying. I like the feeling when I'm meditating. I like the feeling of studying and, and chanting. And I've got some music I can put on. And I just get, woo, having so much fun. I'm getting high on God. It's so great. And I want some money. But I don't go to God for the money. I go to God and then I expect it to take care of me. It's not, but, it's so, but so many people just want to prove their spirituality. <sighs> wow. 
So if that's not you, then God bless you, that you should become ministers. <laughs> just because you've already passed the, ba- the basic test. <sighs> now, all of this weird stuff about money, because we make it weird stuff about money. There are people who think, oh, there's just so much weird stuff about money. I don't want to make too much. How many of you know, I don't want to seem, I don't want to seem greedy. You know, how, how many of those conversations you got going on in your head and, and how you would appear if you got something? I mean, how many of you got that stuff going on? That's money being the master. And all of this strange stuff around money, and it may not be you, but in our society, strange stuff about money in our society. Ponzi schemes. Rackets, um, scams. It all can be traced to a deeply held belief, which is a belief in lack, limitation, and deprivation. That's a, from my spiritual point of view. It's Emma Curtis Hopkins. Because in God, there really is no lack, no loss, no de- deprivation. There's no limitation in God. So the more we turn to that, the more we are informed of, the more we are informed God, like God takes more form in us, the more those things will dissipate. But in the general world, the general world, according to Lynn Twist, who wrote probably one of the best psychological books on money I've ever read. Psychological. It's from a very psychological point of view, very scientific. She did her research. And what she found is that in the world today, the belief in scarcity and not enough is the big lie that affects us all. The big lie that affects us all. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about Lynn Twist. But she was the head of the Hunger Projects for many, many years. Therefore, she traveled all over the world. And she wanted to see what was causing hunger and how to alleviate hunger. And what she found, whether she was in poor countries or rich countries, is that the real cause of hunger was a deep-seated belief in scarcity. And it caused problems even when there was wealth. It caused the problem for lack of distribution. It caused so many issues that she saw that you couldn't create a system that would work to alleviate hunger when there's plenty of food, brothers and sisters. But here's the, here, I, the, I've heard this so many times, I get, I get that I have to work with it. Culture eats strategy for lunch. Meaning if there is a culture that believes in, in scarcity and not enough, you can't have a strategy that will alleviate hunger or poverty. You have to change culture. And that's, you know, in the microcosm, in the microcosm. What she saw was countries would get lots of aid, aid they needed, but it ended up still with a few people. And the ones that really needed it didn't get it. In the microcosm, she noticed, and I'm going to say this because I'm working with you, so I'm working with a microcosm. How many of you have contemplated, just probably even this morning, something wasn't enough? 
Just even this morning, how many of you contemplated you didn't get enough sleep, you don't have enough ideas, you don't have enough friends, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough opportunities? How many of you, yeah, okay, so guess what? We all contribute to the culture. I can't, (laughs) they have not put me in charge of the world. (laughs) Their loss. I mean, think about it. <laughs> uh, but, but we're all contributing to the culture of scarcity and not enoughness because it becomes almost a mantra. There's not enough this, not enough time, not enough opportunities, not enough resources, not enough, not enough in our own mind, in our own home. Um, I For many years, uh, time was not my friend. For many, many years. And I worked for many years to make time my friend. And now I always have the time I need. I, I, I healed that and time shifted. Scarcity is an unquestioned sometimes even unspoken definition, defining condition of life. It is not even what we necessarily experience, but scarcity always is running as an undercurrent of our observations. Scarcity. This comes from Lynn Twist. She details in, in the book, The Big Fat Lie, the big fat lie, I'm just going to, she doesn't call it a big fat lie, I'm calling it a big fat lie, that there's not enough to go around. And that's from a global perspective. From a spiritual perspective, there's plenty of God to go around. Therefore, there's plenty of what creation needs to go around. And I really get this, and I want to share it with you. I really got what Emma Curtis Hopkins said, and I read 20 years ago, and I've been tossing it out like a platitude. I think last year, I, last week, I, it seemed like a year ago. Anyway, last week, I, uh, I tossed out, you know, to go from platitude and start proving things to yourself. I really understand now the statement, God cannot work in a lie, because if you fill yourself up with dis- disbelief in God's presence, if you fill yourself up with the way it is, God can't work in that because God can only work in truth because God is truth. So the more we say certain t- things I'm going to bring up, the more we don't question these observations or these beliefs, the less God can work for us, in us, as us, through us. So Lynn found that anxiety over having enough was based on four assumptions. And I'm sorry, three assumptions. I'm going to call them the big lies or the myths. And she found that these assumptions created scarcity more than circumstances. And by studying it, you know, you'll have to read her book. I mean, she studied it all over the world. These assumptions were more powerful than circumstances. Just like culture is more powerful than a strategy. So, myth or big lie number one, there's not enough. There's just not enough. So, 
since there's not enough, which is the, which is the pi theory of the universe, so instead of having a universe that has all of this available and having a planet that really could support a lot more than it is, and but not understanding that not only do we have this universe, but there's multiple universes, which means probably something thinks big. This pie thought of the universe means some comes to us and says, since there's only so much, if I take too much, someone else will suffer. How many of you have thought that? Oh, good for you. Has it ever happened? No. no. But we can, there are some people who can just believe it. It's unquestionable. If I have it, they can't. So I'll just, I'll be small so someone else will do okay. Have you noticed they probably don't do okay anyway? But good for you, you're suffering. <laughs> and if we were in another church, you'd get a star in heaven, but we're not in that church. So no stars, no stars for you. See, if there's not enough, not all people can make it. Some people are going to win. Some people are going to lose. That's a consciousness. That's a lose-lose consciousness. Since we're all connected, if one person loses, that loss is going to affect us. Our win will affect them. Oh, that was hurtful. The effect of this, the effect of that consciousness is that we do jobs we hate because there's not enough good jobs around, so let's just land on something. We marry people we shouldn't. <laughs> we do things we're not proud of. And, we, and it drives us to stock up on things that we don't need. Which leads me to the next thing, which is more is better. So let's just stock up. It drives accumulation, acquisition, greed, and hoarding. Let's just talk. Why is it every time something happens around here? It could be a pandemic, which is a big deal. It could be a fire, which is a big deal. It could be too much rain, stay home. Why do we stock up on toilet paper? It's like, it's not edible. I mean, but, but really, then you go and the rest of us can't get any. I mean, but it's like, oh, if there's not enough, I'll have more. It's just for me. I mean, do you see that whole consciousness? It's weird. Weird. The more, more is better. If we don't, if we don't question that, we will always be in, in the process of moving towards something, but then we can never appreciate what we've got. We can't stop. We can't say, wow, I love this. This is good. Because there's got to be more. I've got to do it different. I've told first service, I, I, and I, people, I saw people in the room going, oh, and I won't do it. I don't think. But this whole more thing, I get it. It's like, I'd like a fourth horse. Stupid, stupid, stupid. 
But there's just something about, yes, but a new discipline. And yes, what if I learned to ride this way? Well, I can't have this horse do that thing. That's not my fault. <laughs> just, how many of you, but I'm just saying what I will not do it. But think about it. How many of you do this? I need one more thing and one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. And it might be a big thing. It might be a little thing. But it's like, what if, what if we just had enough that we, can, we have arrived And when it's time for the next thing, that next thing will be drawn to us and it'll be effortless. (sighs) Toxic myth number three, or the big fat lie. That's just the way it is. I so want to cuss right now. But I'm, I'm afraid that one wouldn't be enough. So, <laughs> just, <laughs> I have heard that so many times. You've said it so many times to yourself. I'm this way. I can't help it. It's because. It's just the way it is. I can't change because this is who I am. Now, it's okay if you like who you are, but if you don't like who you are, to say this is the way I am means that God has no power within you to lift you up into a new level of consciousness and therefore a new level of life. God, you got a small God. It is actually the myth that, according to Lynn Twist, this is the myth that people have the hardest time giving up. Why does it take so long for an organization to start reflecting the will of the people? Because that's the way it is. I mean, think about it. Think about the laws that are being passed in some places, and yet 65% of the population of our country believe that abortion should be legal. Now, I don't care about whether you believe in abortion or not. I'm just saying that it's just so hard to make a change because the undercurrent is this is the way it is. This is the way it's been. Boy, you guys got quiet. A lot of this comes from, oh, a whole lot of things, but I will say that having worked with people and seeing their limitations, the limitation is a belief in scarcity, lack, loss, deprivation, but all the stories they've told themselves about why it's so are the the substance of that wall that we built around ourselves. So their belief is there, and the stories we tell make the belief even more real. Just more real. I'm really grateful that I did not believe the story that women shouldn't be ministers. 
I'm really grateful. It just didn't even occur to me that I shouldn't be a minister. And I went to Salt Lake City for my first church. <laughs> Guess who stood out at ministerial meetings? <laughs> according to, well, I've read this before, so I'm not just saying according to Lynn Twist. This is a great book if you want evidence. But Buckminster Fuller debunked most of these myths in the 1970s. He debunked most of them. The spiritual leaders of most New Thought organizations didn't live by those myths, and therefore they did really well. I think we need to go back to the old New Thoughts. So I could talk you out of these things if you wanted to sit around, because honestly, if you were have if we were having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and I'd said there is no scarcity, there would be a part of you that wanted to sh to have evidence and statistics and your story and probably a world map. You know, all the mind believes in all of those reasons why this is true. But it doesn't mean that it's still not a lie. And uh, the reason I say that this might happen is because it's happened in so many classes. It's happened in so many workshops. It's so many retreats. Worked with so many ministers that it's just so true for them. So I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to call in the big guns. And we're going to talk to God. And some of you are new here, aren't you? I'm going, okay, where do they channel that thing from? But we won't do that. Some of you have practiced this before. Some of you, just try it out. And I know that some of you have a way that you meditate, and that's the way it is. But I'm going to ask you to not meditate. I'm going to ask you to learn to listen and to be inspired by a very old tradition. It's a mystical tradition, and it's called Justing, Just Look Up. So the horizon is right here. Now bring your eyes up 45 degrees, which will probably be about the point of that archway. 45 degrees. So while you're adjusting and just settling in by just looking up, I will say that if you looked at the Christian saints and many of their pictures, the artists captured them looking up. If you look at Mary, Mary, if she wasn't holding baby Jesus, she's looking up. She's looking up. And so, and then an angel spoke to her. And then in the Bible, an angel is a message of God. So if you want to hear God and get the messages, just look up. It could be that simple. Oh, my goodness. But how many of you have noticed that when you have a problem, you start looking down? How many of you go inside yourself? If you go inside yourself, the only thing you'll come up with is what you could come up with yourself. God told Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So be like Isaiah. If you read the stories of the miracles of Jesus before a great miracle happened, <laughs> he looked up. He looked up. 
and said thank you. And so looking up, look to see what's the truth of your soul. Looking up in your soul, is there any lack? Is there any scarcity in your soul? Is there a belief and not enough? When I look up, I can't, I'm, I, there's not, it's not there. And since consciousness is cause, if I connect more to the truth that that doesn't exist, the more I will demonstrate the truth that those things don't exist. And how many can feel the freedom? Raise your hand if you can feel the freedom. The freedom that happens because that stuff doesn't exist. See, we don't have to talk ourselves out of the lie. We let the Holy Spirit dissolve the lie. And so from this consciousness, this consciousness of freedom, thank you, Stefan, for for singing about it. From this consciousness of freedom, I simply speak my word of blessing that this is the day of a new beginning, a commitment to freedom, a commitment to letting go of any ideas of scarcity or lack, to walk out of I'm not enough, there's not enough, because in God there's always enough, and so it is.